0: this is the going in circles podcast hosted by horseman chuck simon to become a sponsor to suggest topics or for questions email going in circles podcast at gmail.com and log on to our facebook page going in circles podcast here's your host chuck simon
1: It's Monday, it means we have the Big Monday show. My co host Barry Spears is here. Welcome to Going in Circles Big Monday with Barry Spears. Barry Spears. Barry Spears is here. He's here. Have no fear. Barry is here.
0: Right? The Big Monday show, that means six feet and over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny, because horse racing is, is literally the land of the little people. Literally. Like, literally. Like, literally. <laughs> Todd, Todd Shrub, literally. Well, Todd Shrupp's actually tall. But, yeah, um, he's very
0: tall. I, I met
1: him down at the Pegasus. Yeah. Him and uh, Simon Gray. Who's not that the tall. Magnificent, who's who's...
0: He's not that tall but he's not that short either. He's kind of medium
1: sized. He he did enjoy the story when I when uh we we told a couple of weeks ago about uh the Finger Lakes trip when <laughs> when he was a little tardy and got punished by having to go in the back of the van. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, he remembered. <laughs> uh last time last trip to the Finger Lakes. I think the finger lakes ran today.
0: Yeah, they they they're a Monday track in parks.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, Mobine,
1: or. I'm. I'm Woodmo. I'm, I'm 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 on a self-induced hiatus from Mohawk. I can
0: understand that they broke my heart last weekend, so. Yeah. I was really upset about that.
1: So. or... Retooling. We actually, unlike last week, where there was uh, last weekend, where there was very, very little for um, for graded stakes action, we we had quite a few graded stakes uh, this week, and especially out in California, where they ran some Grade Ones that um, could be best described as not having Grade One type fields. Um, especially the two-year-old races were, and I get that like everybody was, uh, a little behind with the two-year-olds this year, but honestly, assigning grade one races to these races is that have half, half the field are maidens. is uh, it's kind of a, uh, one of the downfalls of, of California racing really slipping is that it was always kind of the East or the West Coast um, version stake-wise of, of what happened in the East Coast. And then, you know, the last 15 years or so, the Midwest and Kentucky especially has, has risen with those type of races. But the races that they're running now in California are, are just, um, you know, with a few exceptions, just are not what they were. And the two-year-old races have, uh, I mean, they've they've lacked in quality and quantity, and um, even like the Rodeo Drive, which is Philly's and Mares uh, turf race, was a Grade One, and uh, I would I don't think any of the horses I don't think the winner would have hit the board in the uh, Noble Dancel, which was run at uh, Belmont saturday which was a hundred thousand dollar grade three um and i know yes a mile versus a mile and a quarter but just the quality of horses it just isn't there in california and um some of these stakes uh to to call these horses grade one winners is is a is a leap of faith and yes they won the race and they are considered grade one winners but um it's just uh at some point we're going to have to have a a, a scaling back of the number of graded stakes and a lot of the gradings pretty much because of, of the number of horses that we have and the if you think about the full crop 10 12 15 years ago being 35,000 and next year we're probably looking around 15 so that's a huge, that's a huge you know you, you have half the number of horses <laughs> and yet you still essentially have the same number of graded stakes so there just isn't the the quantity of horses um and it it's um it's something that uh it's going to have to be ta- you know looked at and and obviously People don't like to see graded stakes go away. People don't like to see graded stakes get downgraded, especially the tracks which use them as marketing tools and uh, the owners, which um, use them to, to get their horses credentialed. The breeders who uh, are, are hoping that they breed graded horse, you know, graded stake horses, uh, having their the mares that that uh, will have the. Um, siblings obviously the the that's a uh something that increases horses value but circuits at uh, california circle especially is just not it's just lacking and i don't see a big change coming there um no, so i i think that a lot of these a lot of these stakes have to, to you know you're gonna have to take a long hard look at at, at some of them uh but um it was kind of an interesting race. Improbable suddenly has become citation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, you know, people I I felt, you know, at least from the reactions from Twitter that people were kinda going a little overboard with the improbable praise. Um I thought that race really set up perfectly. Like you couldn't get a better setup than what happened. So I'm not I'm not gonna upgrade that performance I mean it, obviously he did what he was supposed to do um, he still didn't break well which may have been a good thing for him and just kind of let let horses go forward wide and, and picked them off I mean it, it wasn't anything spectacular I don't think um, I, I think the real story is, is what happened with um, with maximum security I mean he he just wasn't himself and that's really the f- second time we've seen that. He won the first time when he beat Midcourt um, at Del Mar, I think it was, right? Yes. And, and then, um, you know, he came back on Saturday and just, just didn't run. I mean, you know, he wasn't himself. And there, there's, you know, obviously when that happens and, you know, everybody was touting him as one of the best horses in the country. He throws in a, a a subpar race, and then all the speculation comes.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, no doubt. You
0: know, it, it's like you know, he damned if he do, damned if he don't. If he didn't win by six, <laughs> he was he didn't win good enough. He loses and finishes second, actually, gutting out a, a good second place finish, in my opinion. And he's just no good anymore. So it's 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 just that that kind of extreme, but. You know, it's he's a tough read, especially going into the the Breeders' Cup. I, I don't know what to make of of maximum security.
1: You know, if you didn't, if, if if he was just kind of a late bloomer and you didn't know what his history was, you would look at that first Del Mar race, and it was kind of an oddly run race, and he was kind of taken out of his game, and and he still ran well, um, comparatively well when when you consider the the trip and everything. And then is the next race at Del Mar, the Pacific Classic. He he got a relatively easy lead. And certainly he's a horse that um is probably a better horse on the lead than he is uh, chasing. And he he was impressive in that race and and, and ran a, a good number and everything, but again, I think I think one of the things that we have trouble with these days, especially guys that that were around back um, when when fields were a lot deeper is that so many horses these days benefit from great trips and a lot of times it's it's because of um, just the, the sheer lack of size of, of some of the fields that we, we get where you're not having to worry about going five or six wide unless you're, unless you're Victor Espinosa I, I, I that 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 ride was baffling to me. I mean, that was that was like a, that was just a baffling, dis- like like why would I? I just didn't. I, I I don't know. But you know, the point being that that maximum security in the Pacific Classic got an easy trip and and he ran well because of it. And on Saturday in, in the Awesome Again, he never really looked like he was on the bridle in the race. No, and no, 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 I watched it again, and he, he just was kind of um, not lethargic, but he just never he never looked threatening the whole race. At, at you just kept waiting for him to like move up, um, and and because he, he was three wide, which is kind of where you expected him to be, considering that the the one horse who was just a dead speed horse was gonna go to the lead, and the horse coming out of Texas by way of Charlestown is a horse that just won a, a stake um, on the lead, and he had won a stake before that around one turn on the lead. So you knew he wasn't going to give up too much. I mean, they're not going to ship all the way out there and and and, and uh, take back, you know? So right. he kind of got outrun a little bit by the one, but he kind of took up stalking position which where he figured to be, and maximum security figured to be, you know, sitting off of him. But... Like, going to the half mile pole, and they did, the, the fractions were very honest for, for the track, which the Dirt has been playing very, very slow. Um. But he never, like, made that move where you you thought, all right, here he is, he's, he's going to, you know, he's getting a position, and at some point these other cheaper speed horses are, are not going to go on, and he's just going to, you know, grind it out, and then maybe he'll, he'll hold off Improbable, he'll be running late. And I mean, honestly, I thought that, that midcourt would draft in behind them, and try to make you know get um, you know tr- try to get a trip that uh, that the winner got. But Victor Espinoza purposely angled four wide in a five-horse field, and yeah, that made okay. no sense. Um, that made no sense at all. And it, it, listen, he didn't do anything but cost himself second, probably. But I don't think he would have, um, it's, a, it's a real leap of faith to say he would have outrun Improbable, because Improbable did run well. But yes. he ran well because essentially you had two cheap speed horses, you had two chasers, uh, you know, one of which was four wide, one of which was three wide the whole race, and there was no one else in the race. <laughs> he didn't have to outkick anyone because there was no one else there, That's what that's all it was, you know, and... And that's the thing. We keep seeing these older horse races with four and five horses. And I, I get, like, you know, Spectacular Bid won the Stroob the the final leg. um and When he set the world record, it was a four-horse race, I think. But, you know, it was Relaunch and, and Flying Paster and, uh, you know, it was... It was really good horses, and and they went like relaunch went forty four and four to the half. I mean, it was like you know a, a, a nutso race, crazy, uh, just just an like one. It was still one of the craziest, most insane races and performance. But but um, yeah, I, I just think improbable is is a nice horse, and just the older horses just aren't any good anymore. And I, I don't know why people have a hard time understanding that, why they have a hard time accepting that. And it seems like a lot of the modern racing fan kind of the late comers to the game like they want to think that they're seeing something great all the time. And the fact of the matter is that they're rarely seeing anything really great. And Right,
0: and you know like you said the field size, who they're running against especially You know, I, I saw a lot of chatter about princess Noor, and how slow the buyer came back and and that made perfect sense she didn't beat
1: anybody and she didn't
0: look all that
1: great doing it well that was that was funny because you know i had this conversation on twitter with the guys trying to explain to them that buyer figures it's not like figure skating and the russian judge gives you a (laughs) 9.7 it's a mathematical (laughs) equation based upon the final time of the race and the relative speed of the track so there is, a, it's not an exact science, obviously. Um, but the one thing that when you, you, you listen to figure handicappers, or not figure handicappers, but the uh, speed figure makers, uh, uh, that the fact that they had a bunch of two turn dirt races on the same card makes it a lot easier to come up with figures because you have right, races figure. to compare to it. If you have one two turn dirt race, the entire card, then it's a little more difficult to, to figure out relative to the other races. But there was a bunch, I think there was five two turn dirt races, which is actually almost unheard of these days without stake races. But um, there was a couple, um, you know, regular overnight races. And then there was the, awesome again and there was the um the the uh the boys division the american pharaoh and it, you know the time that that princess noah ran for the figure that she got figured uh, uh you know it was th- it, there wasn't really it's, it's hard to debate with the number and yet people want to say well it was a grade one horse. Oh, she could know, got one guy's ah she could have broke the track record. Well, the track record's one thirty nine and change, and she ran one forty five and change. So, I'm guessing Not in that Jeopardy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm guessing that she probably couldn't have run forty lengths better. But um, again, it was a couple maidens and a couple decent horses, and um, I, I don't know what the you know like. It's almost. What do people
0: like, expect? It's like you know they expect every performance that they see a horse win by open lengths to be some wild figure,
1: right? And that's not always the case. You Listen, know? when when Alabama plays like Troy State and they beat them like <laughs> seventy two to four, all right, yeah, they look awesome because they could have won by 90. right? But the, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be Clemson, and that's that's part of the problem with these horses, like like princess nor is that she hasn't really beaten much and maybe some of the fillies on the east coast and the midwest are going to give her a little more of a challenge because they're going to come out of um well at least in the uh, the keeneland preps will have bigger fields i don't know about new york new york has had some issues with field size as well but um yeah it's so it's just kind of funny that uh that people get so like it's almost like they're offended when you say well she really didn't run that fast. Well, you know, she got away a lot faster and you know, blah blah blah. Well you know, do you own the horses? Like why are you in <laughs> I mean you couldn't have fallen in love too much with the horse. She's been running for like three weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you
0: know, you, you know, while we're on that, I, I wanna go back to to uh maximum security and I'm I'm gonna put on my Alex Jones tinfoil hat right now. Okay. And You know, what I was thinking is, you know, when, when Bob got that horse, I know he mentioned that the horse was lazy and didn't want to train fast in the morning and he was trying to put speed in him. And in my head, it was almost like, uh, hearing that it was almost like, you know, why, you know, why is he, why is he going to such measures to do such a thing? I know, you know, this reminds me of a story um, when my buddy was playing with uh, with the Washington Wizards at the time. I mean, it was the Bullets. It was still the Bullets. And he was playing with Rod Strickland. And one day the coach, who was, I think it was, it was uh, Bickerstaff at the time, and he was trying to make them go really hard before a game, you know, in practice. So Rod stopped. Stopped the practice and he said, Hey look, coach, either you want it now or you want it later in the game. You gotta pick one. But you're not gonna get both. All right. <laughs> and and it is funny because at that point bigger staff called the called the game, you know, called the practice, and he's like, All right, practice over, shoot some free throws and go home. So he kind of understood what was what was going on. So I wonder if a little of that is into play with with uh, Max's uh, training regimen. You know, he was trying to put speed in him and saying, you know, he's trying to work him fast, and maybe he's just not suited to that style, and he's like, all right, well, either you're going to get it in the morning
1: or in the afternoon,
0: you got to pick one. You know, it's... Is that,
1: is, it, it, you know it, what I mean? It's, I it's mean, actually... I it, about. It's not a tinfoil theory at all. It's actually a, a, a logical theory, because... The way Bob Baffert trains and the way Jason Service trains, regardless of whatever kind of medication, illegal or otherwise, he was giving the horse, the style of training was totally, totally, totally different. I mean, almost couldn't be different in that Jason would would go to extremes. Um, ex- he, he would train the horse extremely lightly, um, where, where his workouts were barely workouts, and Bafford style is, is the opposite. And a lot of California trainers have, have traditionally worked their horses faster, longer and faster. And part of that was because the tracks weren't as deep as the East Coast tracks. So a deeper track, you don't need to do quite as much work on it as you would a, a West Coast track, which was always a fast track. But the West Coast tracks aren't fast like they used to be. It's like everything has changed. And, you know, Baffert changes horses hard. And he has really good horses, and they're expected to be, you know, he's not training horses trying to win maiden 30s. So they're they're expected to to be able to um, keep up with his regimen, and uh, he he works them long and strong. And Jason Service did the exact opposite. And and that, to me, was one of the most interesting aspects of the horse going to Baffert, was that he was going to go to California— and train in a completely different style. And I think there might be something to what you're saying in that um, a good horse could probably train a, a lot of different ways, but I, I don't know. You're, you're, you might be right in, in that, uh, that the way he's training him might be not getting the speed out of him and you know the other thing about Baffert is he doesn't get a lot of older horses that are already established um he, he you know they 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 used to sometimes buy horses off their first race and that, but most of the horses he gets are 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 horses he's had their whole career so i i you know they're they're it it's impossible to really quantify but um it, it might have it might actually be a, a factor a bigger factor than than we realize, but um, yeah,
0: you know it just it just ran through my head, uh, you know, while I was watching that race and the the lack of punch he had, you know, from the start. Usually he breaks pretty good and, and kind of gets out there and 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 not that the the jock usually has an issue of getting him settled, but. You know, you can tell he's, he's ready to go. Like, you know, he wasn't in the bid at all. And, you know, he, he ran hard. He kind of gutted out to get that second. Um, But, again, there was really nothing much behind him
1: to beat. No, no. <laughs> you know, probably
0: right. kind of ran off. And then, you know, there, you know, midcourt, there was no way going four wide the whole way around I was going to pass him. So, you know, I, I just wonder if that was a factor and that was that was kind of my thinking going into the race thinking that he, that Max wasn't going to win. You know, and I and I remember going back to his first race there uh at Del Mar and and he just he just basically gutted out that win. And and I and I was thinking, you know, what? Maybe maybe this change in in training regimen is really affecting this horse. I mean, you know, beyond like you said all that other stuff, that may have been in his system or whatever, or who knows. Um, but just keeping that aside, I just thought, you know, he was a good bet against A, he had the, that perfect trip the second time out, and then now he was kind of getting a little bit more competition, especially speed-wise, than, he, than he's seen in a long time.
1: Well, it, it's a, it, it, it might present an interesting dilemma for Baffert, Going into the Breeders' Cup Classic, depending on how this weekend's race, the Preakness, which is um, which is Saturday, which uh, was drawn today, um, how authentic and even Thousand Words, both of those horses. Well, Authentic certainly is a speed horse, and uh, Thousand Words is a horse that doesn't doesn't lay too far off. I mean, Baffert might have four in in the Classic, and. Um, two of them want to be on the lead, <laughs> so right. it's like, what do you, what do you do then? Yeah, and, and I, I mean, at this point, I don't think Maximum Security is going to outrun Authentic to the lead. So, um, I thought Authentic's work today at Churchill was was very, very good. Um, I don't really, I mean, I watch works when they post them and. I mean, for the most part, the horses work and they work, and it's like okay, you know, horse worked okay. Every once in a while, I see one that didn't work okay. Um, but his work was was just uh, was was. I mean, that was a perfect work. I, I don't know, like that's that's the kind of work I like my horses to work. Unfortunately, I very rarely had horses that could be, were good enough to work like that, where they just went an effort an effortless this forty eight, you know, forty seven and change out in a minute, out in thirteen never asked to run one, one iota and, and just looked eager and happy and not, uh, you know, not pulling, not, not, um, not getting out. Just, just a, a really, a really good work. Uh, Yeah. It's like one of those things, you know, you may not fully understand it, but you
0: know, it when you see it and, and that's kind of how I am with, with works, you know, like you said, horses of that caliber, you know, grade one types, grade two types, typically they're going to look good, <laughs> you know, 90% of the time. But, you know, this was one of those things that was just a little bit different. And I, and I could tell that, especially when you commented on it. And and I went back and I looked and I was like, wow, yeah, that, that's that's pretty damn good, especially going into a
1: race. You know, it was a little odd that that he worked him as late as he did, considering that the race is on Saturday and you know, usually um, guys will work a horse seven days out before a race, but this this is um, a little later. And I'm gonna guess that that was his last serious piece of work for the for the uh, for the um, for the Preakness. I, I guess he'll be shipping out, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Probably won't do much tomorrow. Uh, maybe go to the track a little bit on Wednesday, but you know, basically, he, his his main training for the race is done and uh just kind of keep him on his toes um i didn't i didn't see a reason why he he had waited till today but um i don't know if the weather was was bad but uh but he looked really really good and and uh, looking over the field for the preakness he's um you know i i just i wonder about the horse in the I really didn't, I, I, I just wonder what race should we expect out of him, the mammoth race or, or the, the Derby? I, I just don't know. Um, well, based on that work, I would
0: say more of the Derby. <laughs> you know, he seemed a lot more alert, you know, um, at least to me, and his speed's there. So, you know, he didn't look any worse for wear coming out of the Derby, which is a good thing. And maybe he just needed to take that edge off, um, and, and that's why it was a little bit closer. But you know, he's notorious to be kind of a runoff type at times. So you know, maybe that that just knocks enough edge off of him to get him ready for Saturday. Who knows? I
1: I just don't look. Like I I just don't think there's anyone in this field very good. No, I mean, uh, you know, art collector looks, looks. I mean, art collector. Is, is I'm, I'm sorry. I, actually, that that was really the, <laughs> the outside of art collector. I should have said. I mean, you got accession coming off hasn't run since March. Probably isn't good enough anyways. I, I would guess that the owners wanting to run in there. Calumet, uh, they love to run and they they don't they don't mind being fifty to one. Put it that way. Mister um, no, Mister Big mean, News ran a big race in the Derby. The odds are he's not going to re- repeat that. Art Collector certainly is a big mystery. Um, the one thing about him drawing inside, he's going to uh, likely show some speed and, and kind of force Authentic's hand a little bit and make him work to get the lead, I would think. If they just let him clear easy, then... Yeah, he's done. <laughs> uh, I don't know um, if he's done but that's not make that's not yeah. a, a, a smart tactic. You you know, you need to make authentic work a little bit more harder early in the race. Um Swiss Skydiver, I, I don't um I don't know why. What an he, odd choice of rider on, on that one too. That was well, apparently uh I mean, I know they got history There, together, There right? was some issues with the quarantine and stuff, and I guess Tyler Gaflione's agent wasn't willing to give up a week of Keeneland to ride this filly in this race. Hmm. And I'll be honest, I cannot blame him because I don't like her at all. I, I think that she is about ready to tail off, and um, I don't even think we'll see her. In, I, I think this will be her last race of the year. That's my prediction.
0: I know, you know, I had I had my doubts about what was going on on Travers Day. Um, a lot of those horses haven't been coming back,
1: a lot including
0: of, Tis the Law. I mean,
1: you a know, he did the horses. same punch.
0: Um, so, you know, I, I have my doubts about those horses, at least for a little while going forward.
1: Well, um, what Win 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 was announced today as being retired, and... Midnight Bisou is, is almost assuredly going to be retired now. Tis the Law came back and got beat. Um, the the uh, Swiss Skydiver came back and got beat. Volatile is retired. The track of Saratoga was very, very hard. It has a lot of clay in it and it was fast, but uh, it's taken its toll. And I, I think that a lot of horses came out of that, came out of there. Um, you know, less, less than their best. And maybe it's a coincidence, but there's a a lot of really good names. We just rattled off there. And, uh, the one thing they had in common was their last race was Saratoga and and a lot of them trained at Saratoga. So uh, a thousand words, you know, he, he's kind of an, an X factor and can they get the saddle on him And, (laughs) <laughs> you know, he, I hope so. He, I mean, he might he might be the trip horse. To be honest, he could, you know he, he might could. end up being
0: in the right spot. I mean, I, I I just have no faith in a horse like New York Traffic because he just doesn't pass anybody.
1: No, um, New York Traffic is supposed like, enough. supposedly. Now again, I, I haven't heard this from Safi hand but they want to be um, f- uh, they they want to be on the lead or or show more speed, and the horse sat second, so. I <laughs> there there's it's oh, it's tough yeah, it's enough. tough to show it's tough to show more, you know, more speed than than in a second so I uh, I don't exactly know um um I, I don't exactly know what the what that is all about and he's got Caramanos, uh who is a speed rider so I mean he could like completely screw the race up but I, I don't I think he is I think he peaked in the in the in the Haskell, and that Haskell was a tough race for him. He 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 Paco was riding him every single step of yeah, that race. Was, yeah,
0: He had a long drive,
1: long long. A so long drive. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not bullish on him. Uh, Jesus' team is going to need some divine intervention. <laughs> Max Player, you know, Max Player is like this is the type of race that. The, the the Preakness is the type of, of of race that that a horse like Max Player clunks up and wins, and everybody's like, "What the hell just happened?" You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean,
0: it, it could set up perfectly for for him too, especially, you know, uh, him running kind of spinning his wheels behind Tis the Law a couple of times. You know, no Tiz the Law, maybe get, uh, you know, kind of a better pace set up and less horses than the Derby. Might be, might be to his benefit.
1: Um, you know, Asmussen's had him for a month now, and, you know... I, I, crazier things have crazier happened. Crazier things than have happened, exactly. The max player winning this. I mean, nobody was
0: really sold on Authentic anyway, including myself, who bet him in the future pool. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I, I think I remember telling you earlier this week that, you know, if the Derby was in May... Authentic
1: wouldn't even been, may not even been in it. Well, if if he, looked, ran, he, he probably wouldn't have won any. No, right, exactly. At that point, he wasn't ready to do that, so he benefited greatly from that. I mean, you have that pneumatic is is number ten, and and live your best life or beast life. <laughs> I mean, honestly, pneumatic, live your beast life. Um, New York, um, New York traffic. Jesus' team, um, uh, accession. Those horses should be in the Pennsylvania Derby. The problem is there is no Pennsylvania Derby this year, because they're really not Grade One type horses. They just aren't. And uh, I mean, to me, it's a it's it's a duel between Art Collector and um, and Authentic and jockey tactics are are gonna be important, and uh you know if they hook up and then they get in a crazy speed duel, which is you know it's not it's not out of the question I think brian hernandez will eventually will will give in, but um if they go too fast, a horse like Max player might be sitting you know right in the perfect right in the garden spot it sounds like we got a super factor
0: there our collector uh authentic yeah max player and a thousand words there you go
1: yeah we're, we're, not, gonna to okay. the, we're not gonna have to worry about the. we don't have to worry about the irs and that one <laughs> <laughs> no yeah definitely not but you could pay for 10 bucks straight uh, i'm not uh i don't know um you know it's 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 kind of a shame and I don't want to get into this whole big debate about fans being allowed and not being allowed because people feel like they feel and whatever it is, what it is, but... I just don't understand why... why you can go to a casino at a racetrack (laughs) and and it's okay, (laughs) but you can't go outside. Like, that's baffling to me, and it just seems... um, it almost seems
0: like a setup, like you know, somebody just doesn't like horse racing that much that there's like screw those guys. I, I,
1: it does. I mean, it's it just...
0: almost. I mean, it feels that way in a sense because, like you said, like in Aqueduct, for example, you know, they're definitely going to have people in their casino.
1: There's people in the casino, right? And and, and it's it's it can and be... They're
0: not going to be able to to watch races,
1: <laughs> right? It's like if you go outside, like they get mad at you. No, no. you got to go back inside. You're not allowed to be outside. It's. It's bizarre. It's really bizarre, especially considering the, at Aqueduct in particular. There'll be twenty times as many people that want to go to the casino that, that then are going to go to the races. So it's not even as though there there would be this huge demand that would be like that have to turn people away or really spend a lot of money or time trying to police it. It's just Should not be like a normal.
0: <laughs> normal Friday afternoon at Aquinox. Yes, exactly. The sprinkling and, and of fans and, and that's
1: that. it's just baffling. It it's it sucks for the Stronic group and it sucks for the Maryland horsemen because the Preakness Weekend is is, is the the chief revenue driver of Maryland racing. And there there's a tremendous amount of money that's going to be left on the table for them. And yes, I understand they weren't going to have a hundred thousand people there no matter what. That wasn't going to happen, but, but um, even so, having having, right. you know, five thousand people, and if you can have eleven or twelve thousand people at a football game, then then why can't you have half of that number at a racetrack? And
0: do like they're doing in Florida, just unrestrict everything.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, it, it is. It is what it is, and here it is, and you know, like I, I it, to me, if you're not gonna, it, if you're gonna have restrictions and you're not gonna let anyone do anything that's fine that's the rules that that what's what they are but it just seems odd that that racing has seemingly gotten um in new york literally
0: like literally got the shaft when you see you know all these college football games this past weekend with fans and they're outdoors
1: yes limited but there was fans there. i I turned the track is like no no fans i turned the hockey on right the the just a little bit ago and um, the uh, they're playing the games in Toronto in the bubble. Well, the Lightning scored and they they showed um, outside of the Lightnings arena they have this area where they put up a, a big uh, TV and there's a there's a ton of people there. And I don't see anybody wearing any masks. <laughs> I see a bunch of people that they're all... There's no social distancing going on. Alcohol might be involved. And it's like... Might. <laughs> but it's like, all right, so all these people are here like watching this game that's just being played a thousand miles away, and yet we can't have people at the racetrack. And it's like... That's
0: outdoors, the same sort of thing. And, you know, it's crazy because <clears throat> I think there is a happy medium somewhere in there where, you know, you can allow some fans in, I think.
1: I don't see why Um, not. And just, you know, set it up.
0: Not a whole cranked up, full capacity type deal, but enough to where people can come out and enjoy themselves and be far enough apart and wear their masks and do all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I guess the fear is, is that people will overdo it which they're probably going to do anyway with other things like even this um you know like what you're talking about at the the lightnings arena um and it's it's just there's seems to be there's a sweet spot somewhere and i don't understand why horse racing isn't included in that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's uh like I said, we told the story of my friends that, that that drove from who who lived two minutes from Belmont and drove to the Meadowlands fr- last Friday to watch the races at Belmont from the Meadowlands, so they could be like at a racetrack and not just sitting at home. You know, it's just kind of crazy that you can go across the river and it, everything's okay, and the, the Meadowlands is open, and the dining rooms open, and, and and you can sit there, and the simulcast is open, and the sports bet you know books are open. But on the other side of the river, everything's closed, and you're not allowed to do anything. It's just, to me, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I yeah, guess you like know what personal uh, vendetta against horse racing. Politics are involved, <laughs> and you know my feeling on on politicians and politics. So, so without insulting any politicians, um, let's just say that uh, horse racing doesn't seem to be the favorite son in, in a lot of cases, and I think. The Breeders' Cup was another example of, um, you know, they, they kind of jumped the gun to, to me, but I understand that a lot of people come from all over the place for events like the Breeders' Cup, but it still seemed like something could have been done where a couple thousand people could have been allowed in at some... I mean, you remember, the with the Breeders' Cup, the the amount of connections there are because there's so many races, and the races are all, unlike most stake races, all the races are full fields. So, you know, you're going to have a 100-and-something horses with their connections. So uh, maybe that's the thought right, process, too. There's be a lot of people there anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, and they said, you know, they're going to allow sponsors there and, um, you know, some, some something. But uh, I don't know. It's, like I said, it's... Uh, it's, it's i don't even know who to complain to it's just kind of a a a rant that <laughs> it just uh it's just you know it just sucks i guess but um
0: <laughs> have you heard anything on uh like european connections coming over
1: nothing i mean, I mean there's been a couple I... there's been a couple horses who were kind of listed as 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 possible but like nothing solid it, it, it'll really the turf races will be the weakest ever if if they don't have any european trip participation. I mean we could get along probably without the 2-year-olds coming over but um the older horses the older horses the arc is this weekend so enable i guess that's their final race. Um I don't know if if we'll get anybody out of there coming I, I don't know I, I just don't know but um I don't know exactly what the rules are anymore for travel, travel. I don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's a little confusing I, I mean I, I had heard a couple of weeks ago that the horses were fine to come over here but the people couldn't come over here or, to, or they couldn't come over and stay or something like that so I don't know I, I, I might have a problem sending my best horse uh, to but another to another continent and just turn it over to somebody else not only because it's not, not that the people here might not be competent but the horse might not be coming back <laughs> so which is it was we were talking about uh about late the other day with with someone and one of the things that I I did mention I said there's a chance that I said well there's not a chance but there definitely would be fewer European imports into this country because a lot of them come over because they're they're bleeders and and they need the Lasix they need to be treated and uh, that's that's an avenue um, that's that's going to, to dry up a little bit that that's not that, you know I mean, it's not like all Europeans are going to stop coming over here but a lot of horses were sent over here to get to get Lasix. Yeah, no, I've
0: I've definitely heard that. I think, I think there was a horse that, a turf sprinter that Brian Lynch had a few years ago, uh, from Australia, had that issue, um, and needed the Lasix, and that's why he got sent to over here.
1: It was a Japanese horse. It was a Japanese horse. Yeah. And and they ran the horse without Lasix in the prep, and the horse ran really well, and then they think they ran him in the Breeders' Cup, and the horse bled buckets and finished up the track. And I might not have all the facts straight, but I remember the horse came over here and and the first race was was okay, but the second race was not. Yeah. It was was bad. So So it's uh it's um It's it's I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. It's It's, <laughs> it's too late at night to even start talking about that cuz all I do is get aggravated. I'm supposed to be positive this week, so yes, I'm try- positive Preakness week. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to be positive. I I don't know what the Preakness undercard's going to be like. It's um. It was interesting. Right. I I thought looking at the, at the Preakness draw today, some of the riders, who uh, generally wouldn't be riding in and race like the Preakness, but it's it's nice to see that some of the local guys get a shot to ride in the race. Even though I don't think any of them are on horses that. Uh, that have a prayer, but, um, you never know. I mean, things happen in a horse race and just to get the ride in, in a million dollar classic race for a lot of those guys, this might be their only chance. So it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be an experience for them for sure. Um, it does kind of show you also though, that, that no one's none, none of the the top jocks are outside of um, of uh, basically John Velasquez. None of the top New York jocks or Kentucky jocks outside of Brian Hernandez um, are showing up for the Preakness or the undercard. So.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: especially well. I guess the fact that Keenan is doing their
1: thing makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, it's it's hard to pass that up and. Um, we, you know, we we called this a couple weeks ago with the Preakness being uh, a not non, <laughs> well, it's in the rare uh, <laughs> the rare um, opportunity to to have a triple crown winner crowned at the Preakness that I think literally has never happened, but without Tis the Law coming in as the you know winner of the first two legs the the race definitely lost some of its luster and um I noticed that NBC is covering it uh post time is 5:37 they're coming on the air at 4:30 so it's not going to get a, a a whole lot of um not too much air time. not too much airtime and and it's uh that's understandable. I mean, I I get and there's a lot of things going on right now. I
0: was now. gonna say there's so many sports and, and everything going on
1: right now. Right now. Yeah, hockey uh, hockey looks like it's gonna be over. Because the lightning are up two nothing and there's not much time left in the third period, so that'll be it for hockey. But uh I mean football has the football. NFL has gone off like amazingly without a hitch. Um I mean it's almost like normal. You know, so, yeah, somehow, other
0: than the fan situation. Right.
1: Yeah. In- inexplicably, the Patriots are good again. and Inexplicably, the Jets, oh, are, come on, man. The, the Jets are horrible. Cam, Newton. Cam Newton's great. He's a good player. He wasn't great last few years. He's been hurt.
0: He's been hurt. So he's a little bit healthier now. And he's in the right situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good that he, he, he was able to be patient and, and kind of let the chips fall where they were gonna fall, and
1: he ended up in New England, which is, I think, is a great spot for him. <laughs> Better than Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Carolina. <laughs> I can't believe Atlanta did it again yesterday. Man, that was amazing. Like, the, just the 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 the, the, the sheer. Um, I, I don't even know how how those guys like.
0: How do you come back from
1: that? No, like, that's what I mean, like
0: <laughs> twice. Uh, Two times. What are you gonna do the third time? Just roll over
1: earlier? I really, honestly I feel bad for the coaches and, and I know people are like well, calling for them to get fired, but I mean it's almost it's almost impossible for that to happen. But it's just uh but the NFL has kind of really come off um looking good and, and uh I mean the NBA has had no issues and the NFL has seemingly no issues and the yeah, the, the hockey baseball, seemed to have gone off without issues and baseball's baseball
0: got got over their issues early. So.
1: Yeah. The baseball season I honestly it's been kind of a weird season. They're playing at sixty it's games. Weird. They have those those weird rules, the seven inning rule, the extra inning rule, this rule, that rule. And and now everyone's in the playoffs. It's it's kind of crazy. Well, the Mets aren't, but Everyone else, everyone else is in the playoffs, so uh, I, I guess some or some of the early, you know, the early. There's so many games. They're they're, they're they can't like usually they'll show all the games, and this year they're going to be playing five or six games at a time. Uh, it's gonna. Yeah, there's need, no way you can catch them all. No, they need like a they need like a a red zone for the for a baseball red zone, but it's it's kind of um and how that all ties into horse racing is that horse racing was the one sport that that did uh, that you know that that kept we never stopped, we never stopped, and uh it's yeah, it's, i mean I can remember you know uh
0: back in let's say march april ish it was just like a ghost town as far as betting. I mean, you had
1: Tampa, who got their meet extended. Yeah, you um, Tampa, Gulfstream, Oaklawn, Fonnell, and Will Rogers. And that was it. Right,
0: and that was it. And you got Los Al at night, I think.
1: Yeah, for a little while. But there was Until no, they got shut down.
0: Yeah, and then there was no no harness racing.
1: No. Um, and it was just like it was weird. It was so strange for, and uh, that went on for a good two months. Well, the Oakrunk had the, um, on Twitter had the handle numbers. Goldstream's handle was, uh, was crazy high compared to last year's, um, comparison you know compared dates. Gulfstream was doing fourteen million a, a card in April and May. <laughs> 14 million well, a town. Yeah, it was crazy that they, they they were just doing you know so much and the, the last three months they were back into the the mid sixes, which is kind of their what they normally get. Yeah, but, that's the comfort zone. Yeah. But um, you know, like it's it's I guess it's easy to forget a lot of where we were in April and in, into May when when we're looking now when we have. Tons of sports on, and and there's, things are opening back up, and and racing. There's there's a lot of racing. Where, um uh, and we we, we're not that far removed from from like having nothing. So,
0: I mean, you know, Foner and Will Rogers was like literally a featured track during that time. <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, you see on Twitter, everybody was talking about the Big Five. That's it's true. funner. It's very true.
0: And I was like what what bizarre world are we living in? No disrespect to Fawner, but they
1: just don't ever get tough on anything. Yes, right. it's it's funner. It's not that uh I mean it got some exposure. Um I mean Ciota, I, I uh you know my my friend Gabe Pruitt is, is uh you know he him and the, the guys there did great and and they got a uh he believes that the fact that they got a little bit of a head start on everybody and that they were allowed to run I think almost 2 weeks unopposed and their handle went from an average of 300,000 to over, you know, over a million one point one, 1.1 and they had good a good product and they had a good uh, the the races were competitive in big fields and they maintained that um they maintained a, a handle triple what their normal handle was yeah probably got their name out there, yeah. I mean you know as hardcore
0: harness betters no, but you know maybe other people that kind of were casual harness betters didn't really pay any attention to it until they were the only game in town.
1: I'll be honest uh, the, i don't i don't, I never bet any racism psycho in my life outside of maybe when I was bored, and <laughs> it, it, it was the only game in town, and that's that's the thing is that um there's a lot i think looking back at this a couple years down the road um there's going to be some lessons to be learned racing never seems to learn any lessons of course there is no racing racing is is not we're not like the nfl there is no racing what Churchill does is what Churchill does. What the Astronic Group does is what they do. What, what Naira does is what they do. What the jockey skill does is what they do. What the Breeders do. You know what I mean? It's it's like... Everybody's on a different Right. We're, we're, we're not a group. It's just we all happen to be under a gigantic umbrella where we all operate in, in, in this thing called racing. But, but I think that you're going to look back and you're going to see in some ways... Uh, Some realities really jumped out that field size matters. And even though people kind of knew it mattered, it really matters when you look at the numbers. When there's not a lot of choices, the tracks that had better field size handled better regardless of quality. And the tracks that that suffer, if they let field size go back to where it was pre-COVID issues, they're making a, a, a massive mistake, just a massive error. And the business has got to, I mean, we talked about it last week and I was talking about it with my friend today who's been in the business again for 30 years too, in that we're so desperately need uh, some consolidation of ideas to go along with. Some of the consolidation that's going to happen because, um and again, old Crunk giving him all the credit. He he said there's 20 racetracks this year that have not run a single race, and those tracks are probably gone. They're probably not coming back. And a lot of them are not big tracks, but you look at you look at the Arlington, the 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 you know the carnage that was Arlington meet. Their handle was was massively down and. Places like Canterbury was was way up. Canterbury's field size was up, and they did a really good job there. And they people bet on it, so um, it's it's there's gonna be a lot of lessons to be learned. Unfortunately, some of the lessons are gonna come too late, but uh, you know we we're, we're like we talked about earlier in the podcast when you're looking at fifteen thousand foals. Uh, the racing yes. schedule over the next few years is not going to be able to support what what it's currently supporting when you keep keep um, losing your supply because that that's exactly what the full crop is the full crop is the supply it's the the supply of of racehorses and when that supply dips it's not easy to come up with. If you think about it, for four thousand horses less to next year than we were this year, four thousand horses. It's not like we can just import horses from somewhere else and, and, and bring two or three thousand of them. It, it they're just where are they going to come from? And they have to be good enough to, to get to bring them here. You're not going to bring horses here who are worth four or five thousand dollars. Well at least not not thinking they're gonna be worth four five thousand <laughs> <laughs> it might turn out to be worth i I did that one time but um um like other other places are gonna suffer as well and and uh certainly we're gonna need to see some sort of consolidation of the business i uh, yes a persons today about Naira. So what do you think they're gonna do this winter? And his response was he thinks they're gonna have a little bit of time off and then go to a three day schedule. I was gonna say just weekends only. I, I don't I'm not that old, and and I remember it wasn't that long ago that Naira was on a six day schedule. All year round. All year yeah. round. And yeah. Only Tuesdays off. Yeah, we're 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 getting, um, you know, we're gonna have to see see that and uh, like we're running five days at at Gulfstream Park West, which unfortunately is they need is, to cut out is, is is a mandate by the state because of the law. No one's willing to to change or, or stick their neck out and try to do anything different. So, um, you know, that's gonna be a little bit of a struggle for for Gulfstream. Wednesday's useless bro they need to get rid of that
0: (laughs) especially at GPW
1: speaking of GPW we need to take a break and we'll be right back and we'll talk about the upcoming GPW meet because I know everybody's on edge for that hold on we'll be back in a minute okay we are back the Stanley Cup is over Tampa Bay won. woo Home team. The only bad thing about the COVID and the hockey is that the guy, the commissioner Bettman, is is talking now. I'm watching it on TV with the sound down. And if there was fans there, they would all be roundly booing him. (laughs) So, I missed missed that.
0: Wasn't Bettman the commissioner of the Continental Basketball
1: Association? He was. At one point? Yes, and he, 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 he... he drove that league right down the drain. I played in the CBA for a little while. The CBA. Fortunately. I saw a lot of CBA games when I was in college. The Albany Patroons. Oh, co- George Carl. Coached, well, this was uh, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Yeah. Phil Jackson. David Ankrum was the guy. <laughs> He played with David Ankrum in, in Washington Park in um, in Albany. He is actually playing in, you know, that Masters tournament for the old old guy basketball, the the one that Patino plays in. Um, There's what? It's called the Masters tournament. It's.
0: Oh yes 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 he, yes.
1: He he was like the envy. David Ankrum was the MVP of the fifty and older division. Uh, a couple really? of years ago yeah he he got a couple he played for Utah Jazz a little bit but he he was a good a good CBA player remember the CBA started doing all those crazy things where they had the uh, the the scoring you know by quarter and 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 you know each quarter you got a point for for uh yes and for, it, for winning the quarter yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot of crazy stuff but the Albany Patroons played in the Washington Avenue Armory which that's was, right, in Albany. Which was like I, uh, uh, something out uh, of the, the 30s. My dad
0: actually refereed in that league, too, and, and that's how I got familiar with the Patroons and, and uh, went up there with him from from Mass uh,
1: when he refereed, and uh, I met George Carl. And they, had a, they had a lot of uh, – the coaches of the Albany Patroons I'm pretty sure Michael Ray, Michael Ray Richardson, coached the Patroons for a while. Yes, for a short while. And uh, Bill Musselman was uh, a lot of careers jumped off from the Armory. Yeah, coaching careers, not many playing careers. Though no, Mar- Mario Ely, who played for the Rockets and the 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 Spurs, I think he won a title with the Spurs. He played for yes. for the Albany Patroons for a while.
0: Well, you know how that connection got made. He went to. AIC in Springfield, American International College, Division Two school, uh, and that's where he kind of made his way over. You know, the short trip across the border to Albany. But he could play, man. He, was, he got a couple titles.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. The one thing about the one thing about that league is, if you can play, they will find you. They'll find you. They got guys. You. They found guys in in Africa. They found guys in, in the the Greek freak was playing in the fourth division team in in Greece. They they play in like middle school gyms. It's Siakam. I mean, they kind of had the program at that point, but still, still exactly, Matumbo. I mean, they got these guys from from every all these uh, all the Eastern European players now, and and there's it's. It's an international sport. It really is an international sport. The interesting thing to me is that there just haven't been a whole lot of lot of great Chinese players. You would think that, with the sport being as huge as it is in China, even despite all the political nonsense that happened early in the season, that essentially Yao Ming is is the only guy to come over and and be a a you know all star type player.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's funny, because when I was playing over there, um, there's a lot of good players. I mean, better than you would, you know, in your head probably think being, you know, from the States, Um, but they have the size, some guys are are just pretty quick, Um, you know, but then you also see guys like Jim or Fredette going over there and lighting them up
1: for 50 at a time. Yeah. Um. So
0: there's that, and Stefan Marbury extended his career by about like ten years
1: playing over there. Stefan Marbury is like the the Michael Jordan of China. He's like yeah, a yeah, he is. He's like a that's, god. That's there. the truth. Yeah. No, he's everybody knows who he is. But uh, it's it is, it's it's kind of one of those things where you would think that Hong Kong racing is such a huge. Um, success that the mainland would have tried to tried to do it, but every time they've tried to get something going over there, it's, in mainland China, it's turned into a disaster. Yeah, well, so, you know, well I mean, Kong, I guess they, gambling they kind with, of did their own
0: thing for, for a long
1: know, gambling time. Gambling officially is not allowed in, in you know, communist China, um, but you would think that they would say well gambling's allowed if the if the government was running the running, track yeah. but um it's uh it's it's a huge potential market that may never be realized especially with all the political nonsense that that's that's going on pretty much everywhere but um i mean there's there's billions of people live there and there's plenty of money so the where there's money and there's people you would think that racing would would have a shot, but, uh, um, thus far, it, it just has never really, it's never really caught on over there, so, um, I mean, it's big in Japan, and, and the Koreans, the, they've really created a, a, a pretty nice industry for themselves, mostly. Yeah, Japan racing is great, I mean. Oh, yeah, Japanese you know, racing is top-notch.
0: My uh, my only beef with them is they, the favorites get buried there, and they win.
1: But um, they win a lot. Singapore has <laughs> there's, there's good racing in Singapore.
0: Yeah, I was I was checking that out last
1: weekend. But uh, but mainland China still has not really. They they haven't come up with uh, you know, maybe it never will happen, but certainly would be a a, a huge uh, a huge market. But, uh, you know, who knows? Hey, 2020, anything goes, man. Well, sometimes when I look at the way racing seems to be going in this country, I figure I might have to go defect to one of those places. (laughs) Well, I thought thought we got that covered at uh, GPW. I thought that was like a defection to another (laughs) realm. Like another dimension, the Great Gulfstream Park West. <laughs> five days of racing. <laughs> Everybody's cutting back, but we, the state says, Man, no, that, no, you're gonna run five days over that there. Wednesday card,
0: Wednesday at the track is just like,
1: g p w is just crazy, insane. A dreadfest. Uh, I think yeah, it's gonna like, be. Uh, nobody wants to be there.
0: Like literally, everybody, top to bottom, does not want
1: to be there. No, uh, so. it's it's. Um, essentially we're being forced to run there 5 days because that's what the the statute says that 40 days is the minimum so we need to have 40 days of racing so that um Churchill keeps their slot license even though they're um trying to sabotage us by with this highlight crap <laughs> well, such a you know it's such a farce
0: because you know they it's still called the Calder Casino, correct? Yes. That's such a slap in the face, man.
1: But it's It's uh, <laughs> a so gut punch. Like I, I don't, I don't know what their status is. To be honest with you, I mean, I guess they're like everyone else, and they're reopening, but, um, but that meat is, uh, I mean, it's, it's we gotta
0: get in front of those people at at, Hi-
1: at I don't know what's just like, is. Come on. I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. That's too bad. It's such a beautiful place. It really is. I was down there last um last fall. I had to go to a warehouse and pick up a bunch of feed, and uh, I was early, which is <laughs> which never happens. <laughs> being early, but um, I ran over to Hialeah because it was right around the corner, and it's still it's it's still um like the grandstand is the same. It's it looks the same. And uh, there's no there's no barns anymore, but I mean it could be done. I, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. This this is supposed to be our last year of Calder. so um, I I don't know how those forty days will be absorbed into Gulf streams. If if they'll uh, surely they'll they'll cut back at least. Um, probably half of those days, and I mean, I've always been a proponent of of not like slashing days and that, cutting days and fighting that, but the numbers, the the supply chain just isn't going to be there. Um, so it, it's just almost a an inevitability that we cut down and try to keep the races. The field size up a little bit and it's not easy to do it's just not easy to do it's 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 why I really was interested in, in, in the alternate methods of maybe classifying the horses that Sal Sinatra talked about at the Jockey Club Roundtable because it might be a way that um, that we can keep field sizes competitive we can keep field sizes up and we can keep the races competitive because that's a problem too is that you get these days, we have more odds on horses than we ever did, and it's just not um, it's just not a good betting product when you constantly have four to five shots, three to five shots, and we've talked about the the, the late odd changes for a ton, and there's no easy solution to that. But um, that's the thing. I, th- I think that that's why we talked about earlier in the podcast about a summit meeting of sorts where where we can just try to get to do things differently and, and try to adjust things and, and come up with better schedules and, and with different ways of classifying horses where, where the fields are, are competitive. And, and I, I think that if you still have competitive races, if you still have good field sizes, if you don't have odds on horses all the time, your races are run at a at a reasonable rate they're not you know the the drag is getting to be like ludicrous and there's there's still some room for probably for a little bit of growth but you got to capitalize on that and we can't just keep sending out six horse fields with 3 to 5 shots it's just not no, good. that's
0: that's not that's not helping anybody <laughs> Not helping them, not helping the
1: betters, not helping... It's just not a good product at that point. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. And and the thing is that, that horse racing groups, uh, they're not progressive, they're not thinking ahead, they're reactionary at best, and we need leadership, and we need people to be bold, and we need people to explain that... Um the the what 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 was always okay, what worked before is just not gonna work anymore. And that's the hardest thing probably to to get to accomplish is just to make people wake up to the fact that the way they've always done it isn't gonna be okay anymore. And I've seen that from the horseman's side in that um the way horses are are trained, the way horses are, um, what's allowable for a horse, um, soundness wise, it, you can't take chances, and and you have to be a little more conservative, and you have to be um, more willing to uh, think out of the box. You have to be more uh, accepting of the fact that if your horse is not competitive that the track is going to ask you to leave and uh, if you have a horse that's questionable soundness wise you're not going to be able to get away with that anymore and i know a lot of horses um aren't the greatest traveling horses that run year after year after year and, and have no problems that does happen yes i'm not denying that the problem is like uh, finicky. The fierce in the Derby is when a horse appears off, and everybody sees it. That's it. There's no more. Uh, you're not getting picked on. You can't let those type of horses run. Period.
0: Right. That's and, like a slam dunk. You know, it, it's as obvious as anything you ever see.
1: Right. And, and you gotta, you gotta shut that door. And in that case, it, it was a race where all eyes are on all the participants. So everyone saw that video and and that was uh, brought to the attention of the proper authorities and the horse was scratched and then the horse went to the clinic and and and, and did have some underlying issues and he, he probably wasn't going to break down in the race but he also probably wasn't okay assuredly wasn't going to run good and probably would have injured himself the injury would be worse had he run so we, we can't have any more issues like we did at at, at uh, the Breeders' Cup with Mongolian Groom? And that's it's hard, it's a hard sell to a horseman because horsemen are stubborn and a lot of them are stupid. And I'll say it to their face, and I have you cannot take chances anymore. And if you do, there's a lot, there's guys. Name guys, nice guys. You know, not everybody. See, that, that's one of the things about horse racing. Like, everybody hates Peter Miller, right? And Peter Miller is kind of like a jerk. So, like, if you met him, you probably wouldn't like him. But there's guys that are nice, that are good guys, that are funny, that likable guys. That they might be doing something illegal. But you, or worse. <laughs> but, or worse, but but you, but you think, well, wow, he's a nice guy. You know, he wouldn't do it. Well, that that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, that's it's a it's a crazy way. I I know of a Hall of Fame trainer whose reputation is as good as anybody's, who's had more positives squashed because of who he is, uh, and and not wanting to you know say anything than anybody. And people wouldn't believe me, but I know it's I know it's true for. A, a, one hundred percent. I know it's true. I know one off the top of my head. But it, it's 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 like sometimes people let personality affect their judgment, and it's like um, it, it it just we you know zero tolerance is 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 a tough thing to have, and we'll never be able. Just like we can't ever, we can always strive for net, for no car accidents. But it's never going to happen. So you want to do is make it as safe as possible, and make the roads as safe as possible, and 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 um, you know police the roads so that they're safe. Well, racing is the same way in that we're never you're dealing with flesh and bone here, so you're never going to have a hundred percent safety. It's just it's an impossible standard, but you have to try to strive for that. And part of that is trainers not taking chances and not pushing horses that shouldn't be pushed and, and owners being willing to stop on horses that need to be stopped on or retired. And that theory of, of uh, Rick, Rick Schosberg was on a couple couple weeks back and you know Rick does a lot of work with the New York Horsemen, uh, the retirement program. And one of the lessons that needs to be told to, to owners and, and to trainers is that last race, that that one more race, one more race. Because sometimes that last race is the one that the horse gets an injury that isn't able to be, um, he's not able to come back from. It's too severe now, or it's too far gone. And, you know, a suspensory is ripped instead of just a little tear, it's totally torn and and that now the horse is looking at a year of rehab instead of a couple of months. And that's that's uh it it's just part of the the process. Like people are, are wanting to hold on to the claiming game is is because number one, it's it's understandable because they know what it is. Your horse is for sale for this price, this is how we're classifying the horses. And I and I, I understand that. It's 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 not a complicated process. But there's a two prong thing in that um, tracks have done a pretty good job at adopting rules where guys jamming horses to lose them now pay a price by in a lot of ways with the claim, voided claiming rules um, where they're not actually losing them, so that that's been disincentivized. But the other thing is that the claiming the, the current claiming situation allows the big outfits latitude to just jam horses down people's throats and they have so many other horses there's so many other horses of that type it doesn't matter they're not they're not afraid to lose them they, they don't care they just want to win and the problem with that is that you get in a situation where you have a bunch of 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 odds on horses and that that's not good for the five shots. It's 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 bad for the guys, the uh, the owners and the trainers that that aren't the the super big outfits. And it's also bad for the people betting on the races. It's a, kind of a lose lose situation when a guy runs a horse who's three to five in a in a in a in a claiming race. It's just not you know, it's just not great for anybody except for the guys winning a race and so. I hope that we can come up with some sort of, some, some sort of system that, that, um, uh, and I do believe there's a place for claiming races. I don't think, like, we have to ban claiming races and get rid of all of them, but I, I just think that there's a way to, to do, to, um, to come up to with... To organize it. it, to make it, you know, more competitive,
0: and, and it makes a lot of sense, especially from my perspective is a better, um... You know, you want to see those fields where <laughs> there's a three to one favorite, right? Um, and and there's not enough of that. You know, it, it's a, it's a treat when you do see it, and when it does happen, um, you know, most times you can kind of see it setting up that way. But those those opportunities are so far and few that it, it's just not expected. You
1: expect to see a horse get crushed in the window. <laughs> you know, that's that's a drop down. Yeah. Um, that come from a big outfit They, they just get pounded um, that's, one, that's one of the great things about the breeder's cup is that you got two days of 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 big fields and, and very few odds on horses and that that's kind of um it's hard for people to understand but not not the, the quality of the fields but the size of the fields and and the 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 number of contenders that was kind of an everyday occurrence in horse racing and it's it's gotten to be it where it's just not and uh and and that, that's 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 what will kill the game before anything else is is just it, it, to be competitive in the in the gambling market these days um you you have to give people a chance to 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 make money at it and if people don't think... That, and, and listen, very few people are actually going to make money betting. Just the takeout alone is, is enough to, to squash that. Very few people are good enough to beat that. But you have to have enjoyment where you think you can go and you can make money on a given day. And Maybe you say, well, I'm not going to keep track of it every day like it's a job. Because it's not supposed to be a job. There are guys that do it professionally, that do it for a living. But when you have a bunch of odds on horses, it's hard to really... Um, it's hard to really and and listen. They don't always win, but a lot of times they do. Uh, and sometimes when they lose, the horses that that beat them are, are you're, you couldn't come up with them either. So <laughs> the product, the, the betting product that we we produce that we're, that we're offering, that's probably going to kill the business quicker than anything else. If we can't get that back, if if we can't get more Keeneland type um, cards where you have big big fields of competitive races, and uh, I mean that's it sounds simple, but it's it's hard to to do that, and um, and I really would wish I, I saw more innovation, and I wish I saw more. Um, more racing secretaries and more racing guys take chances trying to do, uh, try, trying to come up with, even if it doesn't work, like try try something new because we can't just keep on doing the same thing. And... Well, you know, what I've noticed is, you know, I guess it's not just me noticing
0: this, but just the industry as a whole thrives on the, the word tradition. And I, I think I remember seeing a a, a tweet from um, Ice-T and he said that tradition is just peer pressure from dead people <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense you know and, and it's like well there's got to be this some point you know where tradition is great in some ways and it can hurt you in others and I think that's Really, a lot of what goes on in horse racing, where you know, people you know, they accept the it's always been this way attitude and, and perspective. And
1: I think the sport's getting to the point where that's not going to be acceptable. anymore. You, you know, the interesting thing, forced to change. I think the interesting thing about what you're saying is that the sport that I see today. Is nothing like the sport that I right. saw when I first got involved in horse racing when I was a kid, and, right. and it's 80s, nothing like 90s, it. It's, it's, it's like it's not the same. it's no. definitely not the same. And and that's that's the thing is that uh, they're believing in a tradition that doesn't doesn't actually exist. And and I think that goes back to what we were, were talking about right in the beginning of the show was people want to believe that they're seeing something special, even if they're not. And we're sometimes I think um there's like this creation of stars, the creation of jackpot bets, the creation of uh event you know, big days and everything else suffers sometimes because of that. And um the problem with a horse like Zenyatta was that it became acceptable to run in, in, in the same old races against a bunch of bums. You know how bad the horses Zenyatta run against? Zenyatta ran against terrible horses. You know how bad they are? You look in the, look at the horses who finished second, third, and all those Phillies mare races. They're not even good brood mares. They're not even producing anything. You know why? Because Nobody they stunk. <laughs> and Zenyatta was a really good horse, but they never asked her to really do anything. They, like, the only time... She was ever asked to do anything out of the box was, was running in the classics. And one was on a track she preferred over a bunch of crows. Gio Ponte, I don't care. He's a crow. On the on the poly, he was not some he, he was just a horse. And and the race she lost in. And that that the fact that so many people in racing had no problem with it, and they were just so uh, oh, don't be don't be Negative, uh, you know. It's yeah, she's running against terrible horses on a on a on a third surface. But hey, uh she's great. We're getting TV coverage, and think of all the fans she's going to create, and blah 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 blah. Just like all all the people that were telling me how great a triple crown was going to be for the business before we had a triple crown winner, and then guess what? We had a triple crown winner, and yeah, nothing changed. The <laughs> yeah, then then we went out and we had second triple crown winner, and now people don't even want to acknowledge he actually won the triple crown. But, but, um, when, when there's no, you talk about peer pressure, but when there's no peer pressure to run in, um, to challenge your horse, to, to, to take chances, to do things out of the box, um, when our best horse is just kind of running the same couple races, it's, that, that, that stinks, you know, it was, um, you know, campaigns are so short these days, and, uh, don't get me going, I mean, I've already got myself going, but, um, you know, it just is, uh, I don't know, I mean, there's, people have to have ideas, and, and that's the thing, is, is that we need new ideas, we need fresh ideas, we need the people who are young to come and tell us what, what it is that they don't like about horse racing. You can tell us what you like. There's a whole thing where, you know, how they kind of like in
0: the NBA where they just rehash all the players and all the coaches and they just, you know, basically switch places. I think a lot of that happens in, in the industry too, where, you know, they don't hire a set of fresh eyes. It's always somebody within the business or somebody who's related to somebody within the business. And it gets stale. Um, and you get the same ideas and, or really no ideas. You just do the same things over and over again. And and over time, it's just not going to be conducive for any changes. And I think that's part of where we're at. And you need those fresh eyes and you need those different Perspectives of things to listen and and to bring those things into the room, um, so you have those at least options to make changes. Now you get you know everybody on the same page saying yeah, that's good. Yes, 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 yes. No no's in the room at all. Nobody saying no, or nobody saying anything different. And that that's, that's where three kind of get that complacency that doesn't promote any kind of changes or meaningful change
1: like the american championship racing series it didn't work it should have worked it didn't work and so essentially it failed but it was a good idea and it's okay if ideas don't work like um i was called a couple weeks ago about a horse i used to train named Val. Val was a new jersey bred and um he, he was a he was a decent enough horse. He he was no star. He was a decent enough horse, and uh, he was owned by um, the Millers, who were really nice people. And and uh, I, I was fortunate to get him and to train him because his previous trainer, Bob Connors, uh, passed away. Um, and they had start. They had tried. Uh, I think. I think it was something to do with the H E P A. Um, I, I can't exactly remember because it was like 20 years ago, but they were going to have a state bread day where like the best state bread from each state racing state would, would compete. And, um, like the best Jersey bread, the best Maryland bread, the best New York bread, the best Pennsylvania bread. And they'd have, they'd have a couple races, a sprint race, I think, a Phillies race, and, and, a, and a boys race going like a mile and a sixteenth or a mile and an eighth. And, and Val was was invited to go um, because he was uh, the best New Jersey bred that year. He was champion New Jersey bred. And it was it was kind of a good idea, um, but it didn't work because the Kentucky bred and the Florida bred, at the time Florida breads were, were a lot better than they are now, but they, they would always win, you know, they, or I think they only had it one year, but they just were, you know, The most of the other st- states' best horses just weren't good enough, so, but it was an idea, it was something different, it was out of the box, you know, kind of the Sunshine Millions has, has kind of fallen by the wayside these days, but yeah, that was a, that started, it, it, that was, was great. it was a good idea, you know, you got the California breads versus the Florida breads, and then they, you know, half of them shipped out there, and half of them shipped here, and Made a made a day out of nothing, and um, you know, the not, Crown is
0: another one that that's cool. a great idea. I I loved
1: those days. Yeah, um, when I right. first started, and, and you know,
0: opening up the uh, the championship meet with with that card is, is I loved it. You know, I made it a point to be there.
1: Yeah, and uh, that that's that's it's true, and that there's there's, there's things that there's innovation. That can happen, and and uh, like lately, the only innovation on the betting side has been jackpot wagers, which aren't, aren't you know healthy for the actual better for a lot of reasons. And um, they're, they're, it's kind of like playing the lottery, and and that uh That's worse. You know, we, like Keno. Yeah. So, but it it looks good for the tracks because they 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 those those payout days the handles huge. And and if they get a winning ticket that's big, it's it's obviously something that that's promotable. Hey, guy oh, won a seven hundred thousand right. uh, dollar ticket the other day on a you know, bet fourteen dollars, won you know eight hundred thousand, which is of course we're not gonna I'm not gonna say that's a bad thing, but but there's just so many um, um, and maybe even maybe the innovation should be. Just to try to promote more integrity, to try to be more transparent, to have um, have less questions about about certain individuals that are that are in your races, whether they be riding the horses or training the horses or owning the horses. Maybe that's really the 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 growth spot in the. You have people believe in your in your results a little bit more maybe maybe that's gonna help i I don't know I'm just kind of throwing things at the wall but
0: but that's what should happen Throw things at the wall and see what happens and maybe it's a combination of all those things um but you never you don't know unless you try them
1: that's true that's true but uh but anyways. Uh, I gotta look at my fantasy football to make <laughs> sure. I gotta make sure that I won. I know no one cares about that, but <laughs> it keeps it keeps me occupied. It gives me something to look for on a Sunday. Right before the next Friday when the medal ends is fine. I don't know. I might. I might. I might self-regulate myself away from the medal ends for a couple of weeks that's blasphemous I've been so bad I've been so bad you know just so bad but knocking on the door you know uh, I think handicapping is such a mental thing I mean where um you just psych yourself out sometimes you know and (laughs) after the race you're like "I I did everything wrong there and and um I think that's that's where I'm at right now. And, and again, I know no one cares about that either, but uh, <laughs> it's it's been it's been it's been bad. But uh... but there's a lot going on this weekend and the next couple of weeks uh, leading up to the Breeders' Cup will be busy. So so there should be plenty of good action. There'll Be a lot of good cards and um it'll it'll be different this this year. Is certainly, so much different, but. Uh, but we still have a another classic race. We have the Preakness. We have a bunch of Breeders Cup preps, and we ha- we do have the Breeders Cup. So, so there is something to yeah. look forward there's, to. There's a lot coming up, man. A lot coming up.
0: Keenan.
1: Yeah. So Gulfstream Park West. GPW is the top billing. GPW. Got to make one trip there. Just you know. You never know when it's going to be your last trip. Of course, when you go to GPW, it might, might be your last trip anywhere. I
0: was going to say, <laughs> man, Miami Gardens is no joke.
1: The Gardens, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks coming up, and and we'll see what happens with this Preakness. Um, I got tomorrow, I have uh, a couple of interesting guests. To, and hopefully we'll get the show last week. We had technical difficulties, being that my both my trucks broke down. I had no way to get in <laughs> there. That, that is definitely technical difficulty. Yep. Uh, but um, we have a couple interesting things tomorrow. We're going to talk to Tom Connell. Um, Tom is a longtime owner and pretty good handicapper. He's got a lot of good stories. And we're going to talk to Kim... Um, Weir, I believe her name is, uh, from one of the um the TRF, uh the Horse Rescue, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation okay. about uh, cool. about uh an event they have coming up on the next month. Um and uh, a couple special sneak surprise guests. Sneak uh, surprise s- guests. Uh, the sneaky surprise guests tomorrow. Uh oh. So. That's all I'm gonna say for now. That's all. Not I'm even say. a clue, like. Not even a clue. Yeah,
0: because I probably could guess it.
1: They might not even know they're coming on yet. <laughs> oh boy, that's even better. <laughs> that's right. That's
0: a double surprise. A double,
1: a double secret surprise. A double secret probation. It's a double secret <laughs> guests. So, so that'll be tomorrow, three to five, going in circles live and it's pretty close to tomorrow so because Verizon stinks and they've taken my high speed away because they lied about the unlimited we gotta wrap it up because I'm gonna try to uh, download this show and get it on the internet before midnight okay So. sounds like a plan you have a good rest of the week and uh, we'll be talking and so my little friend I said hello. Absolutely. Keep everything up there in uh in Central Florida flowing and uh and we'll talk uh we'll talk before the preakness. All right. Sounds great. All right, thanks, Barry. Have a good one. That's Barry Spears, the Big Monday co host. We kind of got a little babbly here in the last few minutes, but uh but, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's always interesting. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. If you made it this far, you're a trooper. And don't be afraid to send us an email at Podcast at gmail. Or hit me up on Twitter at cannonshell.com or uh, Facebook, of course, or if you have my number, text me. Believe me, people text me 24 hours a day, so don't feel bad. All right, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.